time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 61 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day. And we kiss them, too. Don't forget, we brew coffee from a little coffee house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Hell, Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? Breakfast blend. Breakfast blend. We're going simple, baby, but it's at night. It's great. Well, <laughs> I, need, I need a wake up, even though we're working in the evening here. We're working hard into the evening here tonight. So are you ready to sip some coffee and chat? I am. Again, we have a special guest here. Gertie is with us at the table. So if you hear some chicken commentating, it's Gertie. She's been talking up a storm the whole she time. She She'll probably stop now that we're recording, but that's okay. <laughs> if you hear it, that's what it she's is. She's preening right now. Yeah. So she has been keeping us company since we lost Iris, and she's with us a lot while we work. And there she is. I don't know if you can hear <laughs> it, but yeah, there she is. So how are you doing? I'm great. Starting to feel a little bit more like myself. How are you? Good. Your voice is sounding better. It's getting there. Yeah. I'm feeling a little bit more like myself and energy. It's not a quick process, though. No, it's not. It's a slow day by day where you feel like, okay, I can get up for another 10 minutes and do some more without wiping myself out. Right. It's definitely feeling better. Yeah, I've actually had a little more mental energy as well. I've been planning my rhubarb and strawberry garden. Nice. So that's how I'm getting through January. I think last time we were on the mic and we were talking, we were talking about snow is coming. <laughs> yes. Again, snow is coming here tomorrow morning. Yeah. They just gave us the call that schools are already delayed by two hours. Uh, right. Okay. So I'm going to tell the girls, hey, if we're off, we'll probably bake some cookies tomorrow because I like to do stuff like that. When we have like a day, it's just thrown at us. They want to go out and play in the snow. I'm not a big right. go out playing snow girl. You know what I'm going to do? We did a cherry version of this week's recipe. Yeah. I'm going to do it with strawberry rhubarb jam. See how that turns out. Yeah, it'll Since be I'm good. Since I'm on a strawberry rhubarb kick. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to do some baking tomorrow. Me too. If we're off of school. If not, I don't know. But, yeah, the snow can stop at any point. You know how I feel about snow. I will say, though, I did go to Tractor Supply and got four big bags of large-sized pine shavings. Yeah. And put them around on top of the snow made every difference in the world. Yeah. Chickens don't want to walk on snow. No. Who so, can blame them? Right. It did take the nankins two full days to venture out, even yeah. with the chips down, but that's because they're so tiny. So when I leave here, I'm making two stops. Yep. The first is dairy-free coffee creamer and gluten-free <laughs> bread. And the second is more chips. Let's hope your creamer and bread is there. That's one of the beauties of being stuck with gluten and dairy-free everything. The shelves will be cleaned up, but my food will still be there. I just hope the wood chips are there, too. You know we're in a bad spot if the dairy-free and the gluten-free bread. That's bad. That is, I mean, that yeah. is like, That's holy catastrophe moly. right there. Yeah. State of emergency. <laughs> that is a state of emergency <laughs> there. So, yeah, we're just trying to stay warm. And we were just saying before, boo for January. Super cold. The holidays are over. We still haven't had our holidays with my family. So that's with coming each other, up. with our families. We have to do that. We have to get the guys together. We have to pick a day to do our lunch. It's just now that we're feeling better. At this rate, it's going to be Valentine's Day. Christmas and Valentine's. That's okay. We can do it. It'll be fun. We have a special guest planned for our Valentine's Day episode. We do. Too. More about that when we get closer. Yeah. Oh, I'm kind of excited. Yeah, that'll be a good episode. Okay, so we should just go ahead and ask everybody a, a huge favor. If you're listening to our show and you're loving it, if you could head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a written review, it does amazing things for the growth of our show. And really, it means so much to us. It means the world to us. We love reading them. It makes our day. A giant shout out to the Ariel. I'm not even sure that I'm pronouncing that correctly, but she left us our latest review on Apple Podcasts, yes. and it's such a wonderful review. She feels prepared to get her chickens yes. in 2022. We can't wait to hear all about your chicks. Let yes, us know how it goes. we're so glad we could help. The other thing you can do to help support the podcast is visit our Etsy shop, check out our merchandise on sale there. You can become a patron of the show. Head over to patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Check out our levels of membership. 
the top two levels do get a free bonus episode every month. And here's the thing. If you want to join and be top level and you have lots of chicken questions, we do give a Zoom call every month yeah, for the top tier. And if call. you come with chicken questions, we answer them all. Absolutely. You can subscribe to the show so that you never miss an episode. You can share your favorite episodes on social media. And the other thing you can do to help support the podcast is buy products from our sponsors. Yay! We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubly Farms. You can get all the same great treats and feed with a fresh new look. Check out their new website. You can receive 20% off if you're a first-time buyer. We have a special discount code for our listeners. Coffee20 for 20% off your first purchase. Follow the link in our show notes. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot combine with any other discounts. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code COFFEE20. Try it today. Hey, Chris. Yeah. Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chicken? Of course. Then yeah. Let me just take a minute to tell you about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the Mega Box. Tons of useful products and the chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with a chicken tea. They are so cute and so soft. In the January box, I absolutely love the Rooster Bottle Opener and the Seed Sprouting Kit. I love the Poppy Adventures book and coloring book and the knitted headband. is going to keep my ears so warm. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order and shipping is always free. It's such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. Okay, so now it's about the time. Green Spotlight. Green Spotlight, yeah. Yeah. I got to get creative and come up with some new ones Yeah, you're tiptoeing into that, yeah. That's good. That's good. This week's Green Spotlight is the Langshan. And that is an Asiatic <laughs> Right, right. The Langshin, also known as the Crowed Langshin, is the third and smallest member of the Asiatic class, along with the Cochins and Brahmas. And you know that I am all about the Asiatics. Yes, you are. Love these chickens. The Langshins are large, beautiful, dual-purpose chickens that originated in China. Yes. I believe Langshin translates to Wolf Mountain. Okay. The Langshins stand tall with long feathered legs and feet. They have a straight comb. They're big ones. They're they big birds. They are big birds. Yeah. Red earlobes, blue black legs, and a lovely full tail that's carried at a high angle. Yes. They come in black, white, blue, and splash. And they're tall. Tall and large. I mean, yes. They're, they're big chickens. They're, they're not, large and in charge. They are large and in charge. And they're beautiful. The black ones have a beautiful green sheen. I think all of the colors are gorgeous. The black Langshins, which I think is the most common color, they're absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I, I love everything about this chicken. This really is a chicken that's very high on my list. Okay, everyone, listen to this. They it's... will be in my flock at some point. <laughs> it's on Holly's to get chicken list. They're in very, we have very not high heard this list. before, ever. What, the Langshins? No, I mean, the chickens are on your list. <laughs> but they're very, they're very high on my list, though. It's, this is different. My list is very long, but they're in a priority section of my list. Oh, priority. Oh, yes. yeah, baby. The Langshins are another very old breed. And they served as the foundation breed for a lot of our heritage breeds, including the original Black Orpington. Yes. The Jersey Giant. Well, they look a lot like the Jersey Giants. Yeah. The Barnevelders and even the modern Morants yes. have Langshan blood. All those breeds that you're talking about resemble the You chicken. see these chickens in those yeah. breeds. You really do. I mean, do. they really do see. I mean, and when we talked about the Jersey Giants, they use them because they're already a large breed. Yes. And they tried to make the Jersey Giant the largest. Exactly. So, and, I mean, they really wanted to pump that chicken up. So. And the thing with the Langshin, and the Jersey Giant has exactly the same characteristic, is they're very slow growing and very slow maturing. Yeah. So, again, like a lot of heritage breeds, very slow growing, massive chicken as well, and they probably take several months to lay, I'm guessing. And they're known to be very friendly. I know we're going to get into that later. We'll talk about that a bit, but you're right. But, they are known as true gentle giants. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the big things about them. And like the other Asiatics, the Langshin is available as a bantam. I can't imagine. It must be adorable, though. Tiny. Yeah. The bantam's 
I don't know. You get kind of sucked into bantams. Yeah. But then you get sucked into the really large chickens, too. Because right. the larger ones, they're like the really cuddly, all feathery. Night. I have discovered about myself that I either like a really big chicken or a really small chicken. Yeah, exactly. So the history. The Langston was imported to the UK in 1872 by Major F.T. Crowd by a relative of his that was living in China. And the birds were procured in an area known as Langshin, which is north of the Yangtze River. Again, geographically, that's where they come exactly. from. That's where the name comes from. That's where from. the name comes from. Once they were in the UK, the Langshins became the project of Major Crowd's niece, Miss A.C. Crowd. And I am fascinated by this. And so I've tried to find more information on Miss A.C. Crowd to no avail. Once we're in warmer weather and travel is available, I probably have to go to England and spend some time in various historical archives while you shop. Yes. And we're going to go visit all of our friends over there. Exactly. So poultry experts at the time argued that the Langshin wasn't a breed. They believed that it was just a poor specimen of black cochin. Hmm. According to contemporary reports, Miss Crowd fought tirelessly to establish this bird as a distinct breed with great merit, and she even wrote a book. Oh, wow. The Langshin Fell. It was published in 1899, and the Crowd part of the breed name was an homage to her work, which I love. Versus her uncle. Yeah, he was influential, but she was the one who really fought for this breed. So she, the uncle brought him, and then she took over. Even after he passed away, yeah. she promoted this breed. There was a Crowd Langshin Club of the UK that was formed in 1904. Okay. So here's where it gets interesting. And we're not going to spend a ton of time on this. We're really sticking with the Crowd Langshin well, at this point. Yeah, because when you look them up, it's not it, going to bring up just Langshin. Right, it gets confusing. There's the four different types. Exactly. So when you, when you Google in Langshin, uh-huh. you know, so you can get pictures of them and look at them, it comes up German Langshin. Right. The as German, the number one. Yes. You do pull up the German Langshin first. Right. So there are four types of Langshins that derive from that original English importation. There's the Crowd Langshin. There is the modern Langshin. The Australian. And the German Langshin. And the German comes up first. Right. Now, the modern is a little more gamey looking. Right. And it is definitely a show chicken. They're definitely taller. Longer yes, legs. They really concentrated on long legs. The Australian also has a little bit of a difference to it. Of the four types of Langshin, the German is the one that has the least amount of feathering on the legs and feet. I love the feathering. Absolutely. I go crazy for that. I just love it. Australian definitely looks different. It does. It doesn't have hardly any feathering on the feet. Right. So the Australian and the German are very markedly different from the original. The modern is markedly different in a different way. They remind me of a different body-shaped astrolorp. I can see that, yeah. The astrolorp is fuller, for sure. But without the feathering on the legs... They look way different. Exactly. And that's why, for the purposes of this breed spotlight, we are sticking with the crowed Langshin. Well, that's what's here. Yes. And so, under the U.S. portion of this, the American Langshins are considered to be the crowed Langshin type, but the crowed is dropped from the name because they're the only type here. Yeah. Everything gets cut short. Right. The Langshin was imported into the U.S. in 1878, and it was admitted in the black coloring to the American Poultry Association Standard of Perfection in 1883. Then, the American Langshin Club was formed in 1887. Right. The White Langshin was accepted into the Standard of Perfection in 1893, so 10 years later. And then the Blue Langshin wasn't admitted until way off in 1987. That's a big difference. It's a big difference. So, like a lot of these breeds that have the black, white, blue, yeah, those are the three official colors with the APA, but there is a splash, which is what I would love to get my hands on, but honestly, I would take any of them. Yeah, I mean, they're really pretty. The blue is really pretty. The blue, pretty. I think that is the most beautiful chicken. If that- you want to go, like, classic, you're going black. Yes. And you're going to get a black splash green kind of color, because it's it's very, like, that sheen, green is right Yeah, there. so much of the bottle green color. But these days, everybody loves a splash. Right. Everybody loves that mix. I love a splash. And I keep saying I'd, I'd like the splash, but actually, I think the blue, that would be my preferred. The blue bird. is gorgeous. With chickens, I love everything. I do, too. I love I mean, the chicken in front of me. You know, the chicken in front of me is the one that's the most beautiful chicken in the world. Yeah. You're like, you're the apple of my eye. And then you turn your head, you see another chicken. You're the apple yes. of my eye. So many apples to love. Right now, I'm looking at Gertie. She is truly the apple of my eye. Yeah. Here's the thing to know. You have to have space for them. Yes, they are large chickens. They're Asiatics. Yeah. The whole Asiatic class is large chickens. 
if you want this chicken to take up less space, you're going to have to go bantam. Yeah. I mean, they're not only large, like... Like a big chicken. They're also... They're tall. Yeah. So you have to make sure you have accommodations for them that will give them headspace. Right. And everything else. So yeah. They're friendly. You just have to have the space. Yes, exactly. They're wonderful, wonderful chickens. And they will go broody. Yes. Like all the other Asiatics. Yeah. Langston hens will go broody. And they're known as decent layers. They do like 150 eggs or so per year. You know that's not my upper level. I said decent. I didn't say it was an excellent layer. <laughs> that's the Asiatics again. They just don't lay a whole lot. And they lay a dark brown egg, which if you want a little bit of rainbow color in your eggs. Well, not only do they lay a dark brown egg, it has a plum colored bloom to it. Yes. It's really beautiful. So if you want a very unusual egg. Yeah. I wonder if that has something to do with the Morans laying a dark egg. Do you think that came from the Langshan? Probably. That's interesting. I mean. But that plum colored bloom is actually very pretty. Yeah. If you want a really good rainbow egg, that's the way to go. Yes. It's a very unique egg. They're good moms. Yes. Very good moms. And roosters average eight and a half to nine and a half pounds. That's a big boy. That is a big boy. Yeah. And the hens aren't too shabby, averaging seven and a half. Yeah. You're into Brahma territory there. Most of yours are probably going to be seven and a half since that's the average. It could be eight, eight and a half. Right. And that's a very large, large It's a big bird. Yeah. That large size makes low roosts very important. You probably also want a wide roost so they can lay on their own toes. Yeah. The low roost is important to avoid leg injuries. And some Langshans are reported to prefer sleeping down in the bedding. I don't understand why more chickens don't do it anyway. Fiona says her Orpingtons do. Mm-hmm. She and did tell us that. My Swedish flower rooster, Casper, yeah. he also lays in the bedding. To me, it's more comfortable. Uh, well, soft. yeah, right. It's warmer. Yes. You're not trying to balance on something. Yeah, they just get to nestle down. Let's also go into the fact that they are cold hardy, which makes sense. They're a larger bird. They do have the straight comb to watch out for. Yeah. But I did read in a couple of places that they're also known to fare reasonably well in heat because that area, Langshan, is a mountain that gets warm and humid and then cold and damp in the winters. Here's the thing they have going for them, which I can see. They're large, uh-huh. so they have body mass to keep warm. Exactly. But they're tall. Yeah. So they're not compact down to the ground. And know. the Cochins, I think, really feel the heat. Yeah. The Brahmas do too. They sit up a little bit more outright. They're feathery. They have a lot of feathers, but they're not quite the massive amount of fluff that Brahmas and Cochins have, or even Orpingtons for that matter. Yeah. Here's the thing that we love about them. A very gentle and friendly breed. They're great, great for families. Yeah. They're great with kids for 4-H projects. Yep. Anybody who wants a lap bird, somebody who's going to be by them. A beautiful, calm pet. Yeah. Wanting to be held, hugged, snuggled. These birds are the epitome of a family bird. Absolutely. If you have the space. Right. That is, to me, not a drawback, but the one consideration that you have to make. Yeah. Is that you have the space. Well, I've got to be honest with you. When I plan for chickens, I tend to plan for big chickens because that's what I like. So I usually have ample space. Yeah. I mean, if you're not going to plan for bantams, plan for as big as you can. Yeah. So that you have that flexibility. Right. If you see this chicken, if you hear Gertie, she's agreeing with us right that's now. That's right. Gertie would like a Langshan. <laughs> Gertie needs a, a Langshan friend buddy, right now. Yeah. So, yeah, look for the most airy space for them. Everything about this chicken is everything we love in a bird and really deserves to be more readily available. They are currently on the Livestock Conservancy's poultry conservation list under the watch category. Again, I think that has a lot to do with availability. They are popular show chickens. And what we're hoping is that they haven't slid into fewer numbers. We'll know that when the Livestock Conservancy publishes the results from the poultry census sometime this year. Right. Where do you get them? Yeah, where do we get them? You can start with the Livestock Conservancy Breeders Directory, as always. You can also check with the Langshan Clubs. There are Langshan Clubs, and we'll have all these linked in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Langshan Club in the UK, in the US, and Australia. You can Google private breeders and see what you come yes. up with. I did find private breeders both in the US and the UK on just a Google search. Murray McMurray carries the black Langshan. So that is a good thing for your average backyard chicken farmer right. to get chickens from this hatchery. Yes. Not a hard thing to do. If you are a member of the American Poultry Association, you can look in the yearbook for breeders of black Langshans. Yes. That's probably where you would find bantams the most. Yeah. Since they are such popular show birds. And Sandhill Preservation sells them as straight run. I'm not surprised. Yeah. They carry mostly every bird known to man. Exactly. They're always straight run, though. 
So you have to be willing to get a boy. Right. Because again, they're assuming if you are ordering a lot of chicks from them that you are doing it with conservation breeding in mind. And honestly, if you were going to do conservation breeding, this would be a fantastic breed to do it with. For sure. So let us know what you think. Yeah, if you have lanchions, shoot us a few photos. We would, we would love, love to see your lanchions. We don't lanchions. see a lot on our feed. No, I feel like most of the lanchions around are show chickens, really. And I, yeah, and I feel like, and I say this a lot, but availability cuts a lot of into why yeah. these chickens end up on these watch lists. Yes. If we push these chickens to be available with the hatcheries, right. with the higher level farm supply stores, yep. people will buy them and have them. I would. They're not highly available. Exactly. You go with what you can get. Right. So this is an amazing bird if you are into the big sweethearts. Yeah, let us know. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals health products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. Okay, so I think it's about that time that we go across the pond and have coffee with Yeah. Why is there such a delay for, between me saying yeah and you guys saying yeah? I don't get it. We just call it the delay with a capital D. It's the delay. The delay. The delay. So we are back with Fiona, and it's so good to have you back. It's so good to be sitting behind our mics together. It's just good. We're happy. Yeah, we're happy. And we're talking with one of our bestie girls here, Fiona. And this is our round table where we're going to bring about some good stuff, some stuff that you need to talk about to be prepared. So anybody want to say what we're talking about this week? Disasters. Disasters. Disaster. We're talking about emergency preparedness for your chicken flocks. Yes. Yeah. So welcome back, Fiona. How have you been? Is everything going well on your end? Clearly in the UK, we have got our own little disaster going on with avian influenza. But our chickens have adapted really, really well to their new enclosure. So they're not in their free range field. They're in a fully netted enclosure, which we're legally obliged to do. And it's 21 meters by three meters. So it's much larger than most. And I thought they'd hate it because even though it's big, it's a lot smaller than they used to. And they've adapted really well. And they're so enthusiastic to see me. They got so annoyed with me today because I was out gardening and they could see me, but I wasn't going into them. And they were just following me up and down (laughs) the whole time (laughs) talking to me. Yeah, mine, like Chase, you are, if you run around the coop, they run laps. Oh, yeah. So what we want to talk about this week is being prepared for a emergency situation. Over here, we have a lot of emergency situations that can arise, either weather or I don't know if you can even call fire weather or just something that can happen that's out of the ordinary and you need to assist your chickens. Right. And so there are five stages of emergency preparedness, right? Preparation is the one we want to really concentrate on because in some cases, it's something like with the avian influenza where you have to put your chickens in an enclosure and make sure wild birds can't get to them. Over here, it might be a blizzard. It might be a wildfire. It might be a tornado or hurricane. You just never know. Yeah, in the UK, we don't have the extremes of weather that you have in the US, but that's not to say that we don't have some extremes. A few years back, we had what we called the beast from the east, which was an incredible cold snap which came across from Russia. And it was incredibly cold, very, very quickly, very high winds. And we went from 10 degrees Celsius right down to minus 10 within Mm. a three-day span. It was unbelievable. I was going out every two hours to refill the chicken's water just to make sure it wasn't frozen. So we do have that. We also have very high winds and recent storms and there have been a number of people in the UK who haven't been fully prepared when they live much more rurally so there is quite a lot that we can do here in the UK granted we don't have the extremes you guys have we don't have tornadoes we don't have wildfires like you have either 
I mean, goodness. those are for real. And Australia, they had, was it last year? Oh, the year yeah. before, the terrible, terrible fires that were taking everything right. out. So every day, even just being prepared for potential weather emergencies that are like a foot of snow or more, and you put it on a small level, there's still a, some level of being prepared that you must have. So the five aspects of emergency preparedness are prevention, mitigation, preparedness, response, and recovery. So in the case of the avian flu, what you're working with is, I suppose, preparedness and mitigation. Right. Yeah, very much so. I mean, we are in the case now, we've had two winters where we've been required to keep the chickens either indoors or under fully knitted enclosures. This is actually the third winter, but we had a two-year break between the first occurrence and the second occurrence but the second and third have been side by side. So I think from now on, the majority of chicken keepers who currently have chickens are now preparing for every winter to have their chickens either indoors or undercover in some way, shape or form. It's not a temporary thing anymore. We're all planning for each winter to duplicate exactly the same structures again. So let's quickly review what you would do if you're in the UK and you want to be prepared for avian flu lockdown or flockdown. There are a number of things which we have to legally do. The first one is keep the chickens either indoors. So if you have a barn, perfect. If you've got an old garage, perfect. If you've got a greenhouse, perfect. But clearly for all of those structures, you've got to think about ventilation, not drafts but ventilation so that the chickens aren't breathing the same air the whole time. You can keep them undercover, so you can purchase in polytunnel frames. This is what we've done. And actually what we've decided to do is instead of taking down those frames, which we've covered with bird netting the summer, we're going to leave those tunnel frames up and we're going to put the polythene covers back on over the frames. So we're going to use them as polytunnels in the summer, then in autumn, take the polythene off, put the bird netting back on. We've got our tunnels ready for winter. And if we don't use them, that's no big deal because they're in an area which is going to be its bark flooring anyway. So it's absolutely fine. It's in a wooded area. We're okay. Another thing that is something that somebody could prepare for is to either build something or make sure that you have something to cover your food and water so that the wild birds who are flying by, who may go to the bathroom, it cannot go into the food and water which the chickens consume. Well, that's actually a legal requirement you've actually got to keep your food and water undercover. And once we have got our enclosures, the legal requirement to have our chickens under native uh, enclosures, it's very, very likely, because this is what happened last time, we will still have to have food and water undercover beyond those points. So it's a good idea to have some kind of shelter to go over your food or shelter to go over your water. We've got some very simple A-frame shelters shelters which we use for the chickens and what we've done is put some covers over those with a small entrance hole and that covers over any drinkers or any feeders so that it's still covered even when we've taken the netting off the enclosures so we're still meeting the legal requirements but all year round it's actually a good idea we've got some additional requirements during avian influenza to have enhanced biosecurity so we've got to have foot scrubs for anyone entering the property we're supposed to take a note of any registration numbers of any vehicles entering the property that are going towards the chicken enclosures so those are actual things which as a normal matter of course are good practice for any chicken keeper when you're selling any chickens selling any eggs it's a good idea to do that. Yeah, so yeah. you can be prepared. It's not so much a disaster dropping on you. It's being prepared for a way to protect them every winter from getting Absolutely. Back. I mean, one of the things they say as well is keep your bedding for your poultry in an undercover environment, so a barn or an outhouse or somewhere where wild birds can't get into it. Quite frankly, who wants to keep their bedding for the poultry outside anyway? Yeah. Right. <laughs> You don't want that getting wet. No. So we're in the winter now. So let's move on. Being prepared for snow is a big issue because you need to be able to get to your chickens. If you're going to have more than a foot of snow, you need to make some provisions. 
either know that you have something like a snowblower or something so that you can get to where your chickens are, a way to keep their water from freezing, because if you're having yeah. a lot of snow, it's going to be below freezing. Just being able some pop up so that you can bring them in to a covered area, such as a barn or a garage for a day or two to take care of them. Those are things being prepped for what might happen. I think whether it's a blizzard or it's a hurricane or, or another weather event like that, it's probably a good idea to have a plan for what you're going to do, whether it's bring them in so that you have access to them or leave them out with special provisions and maybe lay in your supplies. Make sure you have a couple of days worth of food, something like that. Yeah. Or with, that you have a way to dig to where they are. Right. Yeah. I mean, Either I think three things you've got to consider is your, your food, your water and your shelter. So do you have enough food? Because if you're not going to be able to get out to buy more food supplies, right. what are your chickens going to eat? So you've got to have a, a good back supply of food. Your water, how can you make sure your water supply to your chickens is still running? So right. in the US, you can easily get a hold of heated drinkers. In the UK, yes. that's not so common. But recently we had some storms in the UK. We have had a lot of people leaving the cities because of the pandemic that's been going on. And they don't want to be in the city anymore. And lots of these people have come out to the countryside and moved to rural properties. Some of those rural properties are only on borehole water or well water. Right. Now, that's wonderful. That's great. However, if you have a power cut, your electric pump, which moves right. the water up from the borehole, no longer works. Yes. And I have spent a lot of time talking to people who have moved to new small holdings who haven't been able to get water for their animals. I laugh because that's us. We're both on wells. Yeah. Yeah. We have large amounts of water that we store. The big five-gallon containers, you know, yeah. a, a thousand-liter IBC tank, the industrial bulk containers. Yeah. If you can fill those, absolutely fantastic. Great way of making sure that your animals still have water because you can always get in your car and drive and maybe buy a two-liter bottle of water, but right. that's not going to be enough for your animals. And if you're in a disaster situation, that's not going to be easy to find. So it's better absolutely. to... Be prepared and to have at least 10 gallons or more of water. I'm pretty manic about this because of living through so many weather disasters on the family farm where we were watering llamas, alpacas, and horses. Yeah. A gallon jug of water here and there doesn't cut it. We would empty out all of the water troughs out in the field. They're made of some kind of very rigid plastic, but I can't remember what it is. But anyway, we empty them. We bring them all into the barn, put them in a stall, and fill every single one of them so that you can fill buckets out of it. And that's if you're, you can be prepared, if you know a week ahead of time, you should be right. doing these things. Right. I want to move on to the instant emergency that sneaks up on you. This is something that you need to be prepared. And this is something that we were just talking, you and I, about. We need to do more on our end. In case we need to evacuate. Transport. Right. So yeah. if you need to evacuate, this is a real deal, like either for a fire, tornado, hurricane, and you need to evacuate, you need to have a means to evacuate your poultry with you. Right. It is Absolutely. not humane to leave animals in a natural disaster. To be honest, it's good practice to either have dog crates anyway yes. to transport your chickens, yeah. just in case you need to see a veterinary professional at any point, yes. or dog cages or poultry crates. Any of those are a good idea to have in stock to be able to move poultry, whether in small quantities or large quantities at any point in time. And we were just talking yes. about this. We have a high number of pop-ups that we keep for separating the chickens if they get sick, yeah. pop-up cages, and then cages for transportation. There's an easy way to prep for this. When you're out thrifting, which we are a lot, in those stores, there are always animal crates. A lot. Or travel, uh, travel carriers. Yes. Yeah. In the UK, we go to car boots quite a lot. And okay. every single car boot I've ever been to, somebody's always selling one of yes. those dog crates. And we have an animal charity shop in our local town. Nice. And okay. I picked up a Great Dane dog carrier. See? That's yeah. fantastic. 
Seriously, you wouldn't believe these things exist, but this thing is designed for a Great Dane and they're amazing. And we use them now actually for when we sell the cockerels and when we sell hens and we put them in the night before. So when the hens and cockerels are roosting, we lift them out and put them into those crates so that they're calm and relaxed the next morning and they don't get agitated when we're trying to run around the field and catch them. Right. So So I don't want to seem like collect 20 crates, but whatever it's going to take to be able to transport your chickens yep. to another area or to your car so you can evacuate, yeah. you need a means to do this. And right. nobody wants to spend 50 bucks a crate to do this. So secondhand, Facebook marketplace. Secondhand is very eco-friendly anyway. You're keeping things out of the landfill. Yeah. Stock up on them. Store them. Yep. These are things that are always good to have in case you're going to have a problem. And it's like, yeah, the food also to always have an extra bag in case you got to leave. Right. The fires over here are a lot on the West Coast. Yeah. And I remember watching news coverage of a fire. It might have been somewhere near Napa Valley. And the reporter goes on this property and there's a chicken sitting there in a run with a coop. The fire's all around. It is not humane to leave animals behind for a natural disaster. I think there is an element, though, of depending on what country you're in, have a think about what is the likely scenario where you are. So if you're on the West Coast of the U.S., wildfires are a big risk. Australia, wildfires, big risk. Right. East Coast, U.S., snowstorms, hurricanes. southern end of the east coast hurricanes tornadoes in the midwest the evacuation is always the hardest part so yeah. that is the thing that i always stress is to plan for evacuations if they were necessary we talked about the keys when they had the, right. hurricanes. They had the hurricanes all the feral chickens that live on the islands in the florida keys and this is probably the thing that got us thinking about this there was video footage of volunteers rounding up all the feral chickens. And what they were doing is putting them in cloth bags mm-hmm. and gently tying them around their necks and then lying them next to each other on the back seat of the car or in the truck so that they yeah. couldn't fight and they couldn't struggle. So someone had to go around and grab every single one of those chickens, gently bag them and put them in this vehicle to transport wow. them someplace safe. So that got us thinking, what will we be doing with our own birds? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, here in the UK, it's all about, I think, our biggest risks are high winds and power cuts. If the power goes out, what does that mean for our chickens? It doesn't mean anything for us because we've got no dependence on electric pumps for our water. We don't need electrics to keep them warm because we've got the means of doing that. Because if worse comes to worse, we can put hot water bottles wrapped in towels into their coops, you know, Mm -hmm. without electricity. And that's enough because our temperatures will never get so low that that wouldn't be enough. Right. But wind is our big issue. And one of the first things we did when we came here was we planted lots of hedging. Lots and lots of hedging. You can put up fencing. Mm -hmm. So if you have a run for your chickens, can you put lining of uh, wood on one side where the wind would normally whip through? But please, please, please don't do what I saw one woman very proudly doing on Instagram this week, which was to put an entire polythene cover over her entire run and coop with no ventilation whatsoever. And she was unbelievably proud of this thing. Oh, my goodness. I know. The chickens still need to breathe. Yes. Yes. The other end of evacuation is recovery. So if you have to evacuate, what are you coming back to? Do you have provisions? That's where something like the soft-sided pop-ups that we keep on hand for hospitals would be excellent. So until you can rebuild Rebuild your structure... Someplace safe to keep your chickens. Yeah. You might need yeah, to put them in a garage it's... or a barn or a basement in a right, pop yeah. up until you can rebuild their structure. You've got high winds, your runs might have been blown away, right. trees may have come down on your coops and you run I've had might that. be wrecked. You could have snow which has caved in the roof of your run too, which could have devastated your entire structure. Right. So you've got a plan for, as you were quite rightly say, what are you going to do if your coop and your run no longer exist? Right. Or say flooding. We've had some terrible flooding here. Yeah, flooding as here well. in the UK is a huge issue as well, yeah. 
So at that point, you're either rebuilding or you have to do some serious dry out and maybe mold remediation. I would imagine that's probably a, an issue with things that have been underwater. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a it's a case of there are good fungal treatments you can get out there, which will remove any mold from your outdoor wooden structures. And okay. there are a lot which are safe for poultry as well. We actually okay. have one, but I have to say we haven't ever had to use it, but we've good. had it in stock because this is right. one of our little disaster plannings just to be on the safe side. Yeah. I mean, I have to look to see whether it's a date, to be honest now. I might <laughs> right? need to replace that thinking about Wait, it. That's something Pete and I have run into. One of us will say, oh, we have that. We have that in our kit and we'll run and get it and it will be expired. That that's a good point. Make sure your expiration dates aren't bad. So at the bare minimum, when we talk about disaster preparedness, we think you need a plan for... I think number one is evacuation. Evacuation. That's actually going to be the hardest thing to do. Right. Can I say the first thing is to evaluate where you live and what the likely risks are? That's, right. Yes, yes. I think that's, that's number one. Yes, that should be absolutely I agree the beginning. With that. So at a minimum, you need to be prepared for transporting your birds, housing yep. your birds, and feeding your birds. Probably what would you think like a two-week period? If you're talking about flooding in the UK is a likely scenario for a lot of areas. So Severe flooding that we've seen actually in the last decade in various areas in UK, I'd say at least two weeks. Okay, at least. at least two weeks. Let's just look at that. That's always having some extra food. I need to be a little better at that because Me sometimes too. I'm running out of food. Yep. I need to work on some of these things myself. Having extra gallons of water around yes. all the time. We have well water, which we don't like our coffee with well water. It's so weird. So we always have gallon water that we use in our coffee pot. So we always have an extra around. And I really see the importance of having the means to transport. Yeah. That is one yeah. of those things that when it's an emergency, how am I going to move them and where am I going to put them? Right. You don't want to be fumbling around looking for it at this point. So that's why I say my points are for this. We have pop-ups on our Amazon shop, so they're easy to find. Always having multiple pop-ups and dog crates of various sizes. For transportation. For right? transportation. Yep. The pop-ups you can use wherever you go to set right. them up. Yeah. So, And know, they vary in size. I mean, you can have a small one that you can have, you know. Two, three birds in. Or five or six bantams. And yeah. then some of the bigger ones, you can definitely fit more birds in, depending on their size and the type of bird. I mean, really, in a pinch, something like a very large dog carrier a chicken can live in there for a few days. Yeah, and a very large dog carrier can fit multiple, multiple chickens. Right, right. So if they have to be a little cramped to get out of a storm's coming, a fire's coming, something. Right. That's okay. Having the pop-ups to put up at some point so that they can be a little bit more comfortable. Be prepared for these things. And I suppose power outage fits in there, but I bring up power outage because a lot of times we have power outage here on the East Coast because of winter storms, ice storms, that sort of thing. And because we now have the Nankin Bantams, some of which weigh 1.2 pounds, we do use safe radiant heat, supplemental heat for when it is below 20 degrees, yeah. which means yeah. if we lose power, we lose heat. So we have large battery packs. You charge them up with solar power and then you store them. They work very well. The brand we use is called Jackery, and we actually do have them on our Amazon storefront. We're trying to put everything on the Amazon storefront because we want it in an easy place so yeah. you're not looking around. Right. And everything's right there. There's a link right on our Instagram bio that takes you right to that Amazon storefront. So everything that we talk about, it's at an easy place to find, and you're not looking around all it different is. places. The battery packs are an awesome idea. We used one when we went to the Maryland Poultry Swap. We took one of them with yes. us to power various things. I mean, they hold charge amazingly well. And I mean, you can use a generator, but these are a really fantastic clean energy option that are endlessly renewable. So, And if you're using panel heaters, they're completely safe. They don't take nearly as much electricity. No, they pull much, much, much less power. Right. So you can battery power them with a with a solar battery pack if you lose yeah. power. And that's one of the big things. I mean, you it don't is your... much better than those heat lamps, isn't it? Because, I mean, the, yes. the heat lamps have got a couple of downsides. First of all, they're a lot less safe and are more likely to cause fires in your coop. Yes. Another right. thing is they mess up your chicken's circadian rhythms like you wouldn't believe because yeah. right. there's a light always on. And that's yes. a problem. It really yeah. is. 
any dust that sits on the light, it's so hot that it can yeah. spark a fire instantly. Don't use those. But the radiant heat panels, if you lose power and your chickens are acclimated to a little bit higher heat, having the solar power uh, battery packs or generator, those are good things for disaster prep also. I yeah, think about last year so. when there was a fearsome cold snap in the southern United States and people lost birds. Oh, that was in Texas. They lost birds to hypothermia at that point. That's a disaster preparedness thing right there. So let's say you're in Texas and you think, I'm never going to need supplemental heat for my coop. Well, you yeah. might. It's not just about short-term planning. So you right. know there's a snowstorm coming. So get something in a week before you know it's on about to arrive on your coast. Think about the long term. So UK, yes. we've got avian influenza. It's likely we're going to have to plan for it every winter now going right. forward. We are also going to have to plan for high winds. We regularly every winter now get extremely strong winds at various points. Probably every two or three years we get snowstorms, not to the extent that you guys see them, but, you know, we do have to plan for those as well. Right. It's worth thinking about how would that affect us if we needed yes. to do it? Yes. So, you know, if you've got lightweight coops and you know there's a likelihood at some point during the year you're going to go high winds, are you going to be able to anchor them? Do you have trees which are growing overhead? Do right. you need to cut off the low branches? You know, so it is long term planning. So it as soon is. as you get those coops, my thing would be, please, 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 anyone think about the likelihood for your area. What are you going to get? What's the likelihood? What can you do immediately without panicking before you know something's on the horizon right. and you're going to have to evacuate? And sometimes you can make things work double duty. For instance, yeah. I'm going back to the panel heater for a second because the brooder plates that we've all come to love, they can do double duty as a panel heater. I was heater. thinking about that for Gertie the other yeah. day. I have it out and Gertie just lost Iris, her friend yeah. who was living with her a few weeks ago. And so she is not integrated back into the flop. She might not ever be. So she's our special needs chicken. And you know, she has us all day at night. She does have her own pop-up where she sleeps beyond comfortably. And <laughs> I was thinking, you know, she has a little heater in there. And I'm thinking, she's one chicken. It's harder to keep yourself warm that way. And I'm like, yeah. I should just bring out the brooder. Yep, you can. And then she could even sit on it, at least get some heat that way too. Yeah, we have a massive one, which is half a meter by half a meter, which Gertie would love. Yes, I just would. ordered two more. She would love that. I just ordered two more the other day. So everyone, I'm in the same boat. You know, like they're going to be here Saturday. We're going to be at 15 degrees. So the other thing we're forgetting is extension cords, different things like that, that you may need. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. Outdoor and, extension needs are invaluable. Yes. I mean, if you are a disaster, some sort of snowstorm or something, but you still have electricity, you got to be able to get to it. Yeah. And if it's away from your house, like mine is, you have to run the extension cords. So just being prepared, knowing where the stuff is, having it. Hey, when you're at the Goodwill or someplace that you're looking for vintage chickens and you see a little carrier, it might be great to pick it up for five bucks to store it in and, case you, you ever know, need it. Think about double duty. Is there another yeah. way you could use that too? That really Could you use it as a nest box if you're having nest box problems? You know? Yes. Like, in fact, we did come up with that problem. Yes. Yeah. So you could reuse things. And I can't say this enough. It's not humane to leave these animals behind. No. Not cool. Yeah. So that's why Absolutely. we have to have these plans in place. We can't leave them behind because we wouldn't want to be sitting there and they don't want to be sitting no, there. No, they're completely dependent on us. Yeah. So please, please, please make the provisions. Be prepared for things. If you ever have any questions, message us, ask us. Yeah, there's plenty of things we haven't thought of. Hey, that US, could be another episode. Probably. Things we forgot. In the U.S., there are shelters that will allow you to bring pets, but you probably want to check and see if poultry are included in that list. And if they're not, yeah. maybe try to make some other provisions. Know and where you you're going to go. you not want your poultry with somebody's pet dog in That's the same place either. Absolutely right. Or know that yeah. there's a family member somewhere and you say, yeah. if there's a problem in my state and I need to leave, is it okay for me to come? This is what I have. For me, it would be I have three dogs, an African gray parrot, and 17 chickens. And yeah. I would be like, can I come? So <laughs> we had a tornado warning one time 
And this is where, like, everybody's in the basement. And Grayson, we have a plan for Grayson. He has a very large cage, aviary cage, on wheels. And Grayson so, is the parrot, I'd like to point yes, out to right. listeners at the moment. Grayson is our parent. So he was wheeled into the inner part of the bathroom in his cage and we closed him in and you just hear him going, Whoa, whoa. <laughs> and we're like, it's okay. It's just a tornado warning. Nothing's probably gonna happen, but you have to know what you're gonna do. Right. Always when we had Scooter, yeah. our cat who passed away, was always like, Okay. Do I sleep with the carrier next to my bed because she sleeps with me? Like, right. What was I going to do? Always have those thoughts. Be ready and prepared. And then they're less scary when they happen. Right. You know, yeah. so. And I think this is a time as well to just say again about the first aid kit. Make sure you've got the first aid kit on the hand. Absolutely. Because if, for example, you can't evacuate, but you are cut off and can't access a vet, are you prepared to deal with minor issues and actually, if there's a bigger issue, think about how you're going to deal with it. Right. It's always good to go through your first aid kit. We've done this last and year. And check those expiration dates. Check those expiration dates. We talked yep. about this last year in an episode, I think it was seven maybe, about all the things you should have in there. We keep updating our list of other things as we come across them. And just check everything. Make sure it's there. Make sure you have the food, the water. And it's not hard stuff. I'm definitely just, going to go out and check that poultry coop fungal treatment that that's yeah, in yeah. day after this episode because I'm not certain it is because we've never used it and we've had it for a long time now. Right. Yeah. I think the recovery part is probably the hardest to plan for, but also yeah. one of the most important. And at that yeah. point, you're safe. So right. it's a little bit of the stress off of you. If you're trying to get out of somewhere, it's the evacuation, the heat of the moment of what's happening making sure you're in the safest place with your animals. It's yeah. a lot to think about. Just thinking about what we've all dealt with lately with, with weather changes, strange weather patterns, with avian flu, with COVID. Yeah. Yeah. All so of much. these things. Just to be prepared, make sure yeah. you're one step ahead of the game in any situation. Drought, flood. I mean, there's, I don't want to make that. That's a depressing list, isn't it? Yeah, we don't want to make that. <laughs> we're not about that. <laughs> no, but we're doing really well. That's the thing. We're still laughing. We're still doing okay. Still right? laughing, yeah. right? It's going to be okay. So, Fiona, thank you again for joining us. We could talk to you for hours, and we do. Just so that all of our listeners know, we also are the best of friends with Fiona and talk for hours all the time. <laughs> Even though she's in the UK, she was there. I just want to say to you, thank you for talking to me at 4 a.m. my time <laughs> when I lost Iris. I would not have minded if you had called me, but Fiona, I am so grateful <laughs> that you were there at 4 a.m. <laughs> thank you. Thing is, it was 9 a.m. UK time, so it was perfect. I'm glad I could help. I really yeah. am. But I, I also want to point out to the listeners tonight, I mean, we've been recording and talking. This is probably going to go out with 10 to 15 minutes of a segment. Probably. We started recording three hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes. That's what no, it's like. We love us. you, Fiona. And I want everybody to know that Fiona's going to be coming on in the next few months for some surprise segments. So keep Woo-hoo. listening. Yeah, yeah, we're gearing up for some really good stuff this spring. I'm yes. really excited. It sounds great. I'm it's really going yeah. to be a blast. Until next month, we'll see you later. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. All right. Just another thank you to Fiona for a fantastic roundtable, and Fiona will be back again with us next week for the February roundtable. <laughs> we love Fiona. We, we want do. to see more of her. And you know what? Being prepared for emergencies is the utmost important. It is. Yeah. Please, please be prepared. Okay. So now it's about that time that we crack some eggs. Cracking those eggs. This is your idea and I love it. I love it. I'm a big lover of Pop-Tarts, man. I've always liked them, but it's hard to get gluten-free Pop-Tarts. It is. So you have to make them yourself. Yeah. And who is a kid out there that did not grow up on the Pop-Tart? That's our age, seriously. I mean, Pete still eats Pop-Tarts. We still eat Pop-Tarts. <laughs> I don't eat them. They're not good for you. They're not but... good for you, but sometimes if you need to get out to the bar, like a cup of coffee and a Pop-Tart would be nice. Yeah. yeah I mean, man. if you're in a hurry or something. So we decided to say, this is a great idea. Let's make them homemade. Yeah. Essentially, you make this dough. 
You're going to let it chill. Right. You're going to roll it out to a rectangle and you're going to cut it into rectangles yes. that you stack with the filling between them. And you can make them as big or small as you like you because can. you're making them yourself. I wouldn't make them too big. I'm not sure that they would hold up structurally. You can make minis if you want. You can make minis and I've seen them like bigger than... Oh, man. Like that big. That's a big But that's pop-tart. like a family Pop-Tart. No, I'm not sharing my Pop-Tart with family. <laughs> It's a sweet dough that you make, and we made it super easy. Just It comes together in the food processor really quickly. Yeah. It's a sweet dough that has two eggs in it. So it's flour, butter, eggs, sugar, a little bit of sugar, a pinch of salt in this food processor. Wrap it in some saran wrap and put it in the refrigerator overnight or for a couple of hours. The filling is super easy. It's just jam mixed with a little bit of cornstarch or arrowroot powder. To thicken it up. To thicken it up, yep. Yeah. Any flavor you like. We like cherry. Yes, but I am going to make these this week with the strawberry rhubarb. Yeah. So the other thing is, these are healthier than the processed pop Absolutely. Of and they Absolutely. Of course. I mean, the dough has two eggs in it. Yeah. And this is something that you can do with kids. Yeah. The other part that's fun is making the icing. Yeah. And decorating them. Right. And finding all different kinds of sprinkles and yeah. everything that you need to do. And there's a simple, you can just use powdered sugar, cream. Right. Some kind of a dairy-free creamer or something. And almond extract. Or yes. vanilla. Whatever I, you want. Almond would go really well with the cherries. That's why we use I it like there. I like almond, too. You could use whatever kind of extract you want. And if you go online, you could probably find recipes for a chocolate filling if you want to do a chocolate filling. Right. We like the fruit because we're trying to keep it a, a little, little healthy. healthier. Right. The top of the Pop-Tart is a clean slate. You know, you cut these into rectangles. You put your filling in. You put the top one. You go around with a fork and crimp around the edges. And don't forget to poke the little holes. That's right. Yes, I'm glad you said that. You need to poke the little holes in it for the steam vent. And then you have a blank slate there. And you get to decorate it. It's good to do with your kids. Yep. Make the icing. You just whip all the powdered sugar and the cream together. It's a thick icing. Yeah. Yeah. And then you put it over top and then put all your sprinkles in there. You're good to go. Before it dries, get the sprinkles in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. We all love Pop-Tarts. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. So try this. It really is not that hard. No. You have the steps. You know, you can whip up the dough. You put it in the refrigerator. You roll it out the next morning. When you look at these recipes and things that you're used to eating that are processed, a lot of them are not that hard to go back and make yourself. They're simple things. Right. But they're processed, so they're made to stay good for a long time. By making it yourself, you're cutting out all of those bad things that you don't... There's no trans fat in the pastry. Yeah. It's butter. And in my case, we used dairy-free butter. Yeah. It's easy peasy. Exactly. So try it morning, noon, or night, or at midnight sometimes. That sounds good. (laughs) Midnight Pop-Tart. And if you do try this, we're going to put up pictures of ours. Yeah. Send us pictures. We want to see your Pop-Tarts. Yes, we would love to see your (laughs) Pop-Tarts. So, should we move on to retail therapy? Retail therapy. Yeah. Okay, so retail therapy this week, we're keeping it local. It is local. Yeah. But it's out there. So, we're doing an Etsy shop, the Crafty Chicken Company. I love this Etsy shop. Her shop is gorgeous. We got a laugh out of the fact that we were reviewing her products, and then we realized that she lives like 20 minutes away from me. Yes. So she's very, very local to us. It's Kristen. Yeah. And again, it's the Crafty Chicken Company. It's Etsy shop. It's linked in our show notes. And she's on Instagram. Yeah, she's on Instagram. And her stuff is the cutest. It's so cute. Oh, my God. So Kristen sent us egg stamps. Yes. And... These are a little more original than most of the egg stamps you say. I love them. She also sent us food safe pads of ink because if you do this and you stamp your eggs, you're not going to go to Michael's and just buy an ink pad. Yeah, no. That can poison your eggs. <laughs> so you have to use special kind. You do. So, yeah, she has some original ideas for her stamps yes. that we love. She even has, if you're a Marylander, you know what Natty Bow is. Oh, yeah. And so she, she actually has an egg with the Natty Bow mustache stamp. It's so cute. Very cute, yeah. Now, let's talk about the ones we got. We're going to post them up on our Insta. Mine says, fresh AF, <laughs> because I wanted something a little sassy. And mine says, laid in Maryland. Yeah. They're cute. They're different. And she has all different kinds. She has some really pretty flowers, some floral stamps, too, that are lovely. She has some just fun stuff on here. Right on the first page, she has a chicken-keeping log. 
It's a journal pages where you can write down if you're this type of person that wants to see when what chicken is laying, what egg, when they were born. Right. This kind of thing. Just good record keeping for record your Record keeping. They're $5. That's I not mean, bad. That's not bad for a chicken logbook. She's very highly rated by her customers as well. And it's a gorgeous shop. Everything yeah. looks good. Valentine's Day is coming up. That's true. So all you crazy chicken ladies, tell all your significant others to go to look at the Crafty Chicken Company because there's something for you on here. The tea towels are cute, if anything. The tea towels are cute. Almost everything that she has on offer, she will do custom work for you. Right. So custom egg carton stamps, custom egg stamps, custom pullovers, sweatshirts. T-shirts, the tumblers. Um, Yeah, the tumblers, the tote bags, any of these things can be custom. She even has nursery decor. This is so cute. These are cute. The little wall pictures to go in the nursery. Does she have chicken onesies? (laughs) Rebecca, close your ears. You got to listen to this part. There's somebody we want to buy some chicken onesies for. Yeah. It's just a fun shop. It's really cool. I do like the Chicken Dad t-shirt. Yeah. And she has tote bags, which are really cute. Tea towels, tumblers, wine tumblers. If you have a best friend that's into chickens as much as you. I don't know who you're talking about. (laughs) Maybe she might like a gift from here. She might. It's lovely. It's professionally done. Again, she's very highly rated. Her customers say that she ships out on time. Great quality. And I love these egg stamps that are a little naughty. Yeah. (laughs) They're a little naughty. A little naughty. And you know what? Her presentation is amazing. You get your stamp in a little floral bag. Yeah, it's a little burlap bag. It has a floral print on it. They are so pretty. With the Crafty Chicken Company We'll put photos of them up, yeah. Yeah, with the pad and everything. I mean, you have to buy the pad separately. But it's amazing. Love it love it we recommend the crafty chicken company 100 check it out okay so should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week or just leave it as a surprise (laughs) i think we should sometimes nah let's give it to them (laughs) next week we are spotlighting the pavlovskaya chicken this is a listener request this is for you helen yes helen this one's for you We're holding another roundtable with Fiona. We are talking about chicken care for the geriatric chicken. Yes, which is a real deal thing. It's very important and it's something you can't find information on easily. So we worked for a while to put together this episode. Our recipe is Chinese rice pancakes. Oh, yeah. Delicious. And our retail therapy is Perfect Storm Footwear's High Cloud Women's Boots in the Chicken. And let me tell you, we're super stoked about these. Super excited about these boots. Yeah, so what should we tell everybody to do until next week? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. Don't forget, we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening. Ha, 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 ha.